Aloha, I'm Jaren. I'm an alcoholic. And TYG on the island of Oahu is my home group. Thank you, God. That's what it stands for. Um, I'm in an attitude of gratitude today. Uh, I've, uh, uh, well, number one, I called last minute to chair a meeting, which was cool. Because when the Hannah AA sticks out, I always, I'm always there as much as I can be. Uh, uh, my friend Bobo called me. He said, uh, can you do this for me? I says, you got it. Hook me up with David and here I am. Anyway, it's good to see you people. It's nice to have this Zoom format to be able to go all over the world. It saved my life. Uh, I've been able to go to meetings all over the place. Uh, I'm uh, I'm 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 presently living um, in my cabin on the mountain of Haleakala on the backside of Haleakala in the island of Maui uh, in Hawaii. And it is beautiful up here. It's, it's my safe haven. This is where I go to get away from the city and the crazy people because there's hardly anybody up here. It's, uh, I'm, I'm living on Hawaiian homestead land, which uh, na the neighbors are like, uh, it's all un unearthed land and the neighbors it's it's a ranch land and neighbors are a mile away so it's beautiful uh can't it doesn't get any better than this you know i've been blessed with so many uh things in sobriety so many uh because i got sober i was able to make the right choices and because i made the right choices i am where i am today uh, acceptance has been the key to my answer to my my sobriety you know, when I got here, uh, I couldn't accept the fact that I was an alcoholic. So the part that guy, the guy read about switching from scotch to brandy, brandy to scott. My nickname was Scout because I went out. I did a lot of scouting for you guys. And uh, you see, I got here in 1981. I didn't get sober till 1988. So I went out to, to set you guys uh, wrong because you said you'd tip your hat to me in that book too if I could drink like a gentleman well I never could drink like a gentleman I always drank like a pig and I blacked out don't remember much but uh, then I then I uh, I tried switching from scotch to brandy from brandy to scotch um, uh, I tried the cocaine maintenance I tried the marijuana maintenance I tried all those maintenances it didn't work for me uh, so here I are you know a retread, a scout, um, 33 years later, finally surrendered to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous because my program wasn't working so well. My sponsor told me, he says, how's that working for you? You know, uh, I had a bunch of gentle giants in my life at the time. And they said, just keep coming back, Jerry. We're happy to see you. Just keep coming back. And I'd come back and I'd go, wah, 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 wah. And they'd look at me and they'd say, just keep coming back. We're happy to see you. You see, nobody ever told me to get the hell out. They all just told me, you just keep coming back. And so I did. And by the grace of God, something happened. There was a psychic change after I trusted the process. I talk about the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. I changed. Something changed. I didn't see it. They saw it in me. Mm. My life started to change and it started to get better. I know. Uh, I know. I got the. I know. I got the. the um, you know, the disease with the allergy because I tried so many times. I, once I ingested alcohol in me, all bets are off. You know. Once I started drinking, 
it was a done deal for me. I was off and running again. And so after trying several times, they nicknamed me Scout. So I came back with nothing but arrows in my ass and nothing good to report. See, you didn't know about the, the yets that they talked about. All those yets that jails, institution, and, and hospitals, and it all happened to me. I didn't, I didn't hear it. I didn't want to raise my bottom. I'm a low bottom drunk. I lost everything. I ended up homeless. I didn't say I didn't say homeless because I lived in my car, so that wasn't homeless. I lived on the beach, so I, in my mind, I was in the. Uh, I had beachfront property in Hawaii. Beaches are warm, not like over there. But it, believe it or not, it was the cold showers that got me. And there was a meeting on that beach, and I'd frequent that meeting because they gave free coffee, you know. And um, I hung around. I hung around a few 24 hours and and uh, sponsor. I got involved in a step study and I got involved with the people and they put me in service right away. And, and uh, I did the deal and, and, and it worked. It worked for me. And I just kept coming back. I kept trying it my way. And finally, I, I, I decided to surrender to the program of Alcoholics Anonymous. Since I talk about that, it was the first 164 pages of the program, of the big, and I got into a, I could hardly read when I was there. I didn't know how to do a checkbook. I didn't know how to do anything. I was just crazy. I was angry. I was angry at the world. I was angry at everybody. And all that changed. I surrendered. I quit fighting everybody. And I started to listen. Something happened. I started to hear. All those things that they've been telling me all those years, those guys were right. It's what happened. They were right. It happened to me. The yets actually happened. I ended up in jail. I almost died. And I mean, I was looking at 10 to 15 years in prison. I did a short stretch for a little while, um, but uh, I did everything that was required of me. And I got five years probation. And after that five years, I just kept, kept doing it. See, I was awarded a state to this program. They spent a lot of money on me, by the way, too. I had a lot of outside help. I needed help because, and they also told me that if I went to that ANA classes, that I'd get my get some brainwashing. Well, my brain needed to be washed. You can see it's 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 been washed, and it's it was some good washing for me. But uh, I'm very grateful for this program. I'm grateful for the people in this program that I've met all over the world, people that I can talk to, people that I can. I can visit um, when I when I go to different places um, because a lot of people like to come to Hawaii. When they come to Hawaii, we uh, we show them the, what we call the Aloha spirit. We we welcome them and show them around, and and then they give us the same. When we I left and went to uh, uh, Minnesota to a Mayo Clinic because I got diagnosed with a cut phrenic nerve in my right lung, and uh, we met people there. And they took us to a party, an AA function, and we had so much fun, you know. So we've been able to go, my wife and I, all over the the the, the world and go to AA meetings, and um, and participate with uh, the people in AA. I have who has a sponsor, who doesn't have a sponsor anymore. He's dead. So bottom line is, don't drink and don't die. These uh these guys, these old these old guys that hang around. Um, they start dying on me. I started losing sponsors, but what's happened is we're all, 
the beauty of it is we're all hooked up together because the guy who was his sponsor who was the other guy's sponsor is now my sponsor. I'm getting the same stuff that I got from the other guy because he got it from that guy. So it's cool. You know, it works for me. Um, I keep coming back. I keep get, trying to give back what was so freely given to me. Because yeah. when I got here, I always asked my sponsor at the time, how could I ever pay you back for what you've done for me? And he told me, he says, one day you're going to get one just as sick as or sicker yeah. than you. And all you need to do is just give back what's been so freely given to you, to me. So thank you so much for letting me participate in my recovery. As we say in Hawaii, aloha. Hi, my name is Amy and I am an alcoholic. Um, my uh, sobriety date is uh, December 19th, 1992. And for that, I am forever grateful. My home group is the uh, Friday noon Grateful Gals meeting on Zoom, uh, based out of uh, Columbia, South Carolina, but we have people from all over join us. Um, and, and thank you, uh, Jerry, for speaking and uh, for David for asking me to speak. I will say that David asked me to speak, I don't know, three or four months ago. Um, and at the time I was like, well, I have no idea what my life could look like on August 6th, but sure, because how could it get any crazier than it was? Well, it has. And um, and so we'll see uh, where this all goes this evening. Um, I, uh, as uh, the meeting was starting, I, I had a thought to take a look at one of the daily reflections. And, um, and it's from February 24th, and, and that date is, is specific. Um, it's when my mother passed earlier this year, and, and she died with uh, 35 years sober. Um, but the, the start of it is a thankful heart. Um, I try to hold fast to the truth that a full and thankful heart cannot entertain great conceits. When brimming with gratitude, one's heartbeat must surely result in outgoing love, the finest emotion that we can ever know. Um, and I'd honestly, I had not read that uh, daily reflections before. I hadn't looked back to see what it was. And so it, it's rather fitting. Um, there was a, a gentleman, Steve, at, at the first meeting that I went to where I admitted I was an alcoholic, and he would always start his share by saying, you know, my name is Steve and I'm an alcoholic, and the program of Alcoholics Anonymous has allowed me to participate in my own life. And um, and that is absolutely true. It's, it's what this program is for me in a nutshell. Um, and... Uh, that participation is sometimes pretty smooth and easy, and sometimes it's really fucking hard. And um, but usually that is is the best. Um, I uh, um, sorry, it's just there's a lot spinning in my head right now, and um. So I, uh, I think I come by my alcoholism by genetics. My grandfather uh, passed away from this disease in his early fifties. My mother actually took him 
to his uh, to a couple of meetings when she was a teenager, and um, and he never got it. Um, he was in and out of mental institutions the whole bit in Detroit. Um, but when my mother uh, found herself needing a meeting or needing to know where to go to, she knew. Um, and like I said, she passed with uh, 35 years sober. And, um, I, you know, for me, I, uh, when you were reading the more about alcoholism, it never thought to me to like switch or to try something different or to do whatever, because I was just fine without how alcohol was working for me. I mean, I loved the taste of it. It, it took me about a year sober to realize why I loved the olives and the cherries from my parents' drinks, but really didn't like the taste of them straight out of the jar. Um, you know, mar martinis and Manhattans. Um, I loved the taste. I remember the first time that alcohol worked for me. And I remember hearing when I was getting sober, the old timers back then would talk about, you know, thinking back to the first time that, that alcohol worked and that chasing that feeling. And that's what we did as alcoholics. And I remember that time. I mean, I was 15. I was pissed off and confused and angry and hurt and all of these things. And, and the things I remember most about that night is I drank more than any of my friends. Um, they were in the bathroom, either throwing up or <clears throat> crying incessantly. And I just felt amazing. I felt free, like for the first time. And, and you know, and at 15, it's not, you know, a long time, but I just, I, I felt absolutely free. And, um, and it was so amazing. And that's what I wanted. That's what I craved. And, um, you know, my drinking career was not that long. It was, you know, seven, eight years. But, um, you know, I did a lot of damage in that time. And, you know, I, I can remember... I don't know, it was maybe 20, 21, something like that. And I was bartending in Detroit. I'm originally from Michigan. And there was a, a bar um, that was about 30 or 40 minutes away that if the lights were still on, you could get a drink, no matter the time. And I remember, you know, leaving work and driving down the freeway. And the only thought was, you know, oh, just let somebody still be there. Because I tried not to drink at home that much because my mother, that's where she did most of her drinking. And I was not like her because uh, she got sober when I was 17. And, and it wasn't like, hallelujah, the family saved. No, it was, oh, shit, she's going to start looking at me. Um, so, you know, and drinking before going out, that didn't really count because um, that was just you know, putting makeup on and getting ready. So that didn't really count as drinking. Um, but I can remember driving down the freeway and, you know, the thought of like a truck just kind of sideswiping me. And I didn't really want to die, but a coma for about three months sounded absolutely lovely. 
you know, just a nice little rest. But then I start, I would think about it and then I would think, oh, well, then, you know, my parents would probably come see me. And then they'd start talking to each other and they'd start comparing notes. And then people would start to figure me out. And that was not good. So then my whole coma scenario just got ruined. Um, because I remember I just felt wrong. I just felt wrong. And alcohol made it a little bit better. You know, it gave me that freedom to just not care. Um, and to feel when I wanted to feel and to not feel when I wanted to feel. And if that got switched up and sometimes I was, you know, angry when I didn't want to be or any of that, eh, it was the price to pay. Um, you know, I, I had gone to college and I had left college and I, you know, had done these things and not done these things and this and that and all of this stuff. And, um, I had spent a lovely night in jail uh, one night. And I remember the worst thing about that wasn't that um, I was in jail or that, uh, you know, my father was going to come bail me out in the morning. It was that I hadn't quite had enough to drink to stop my mind, to stop the voices from my head. Like, oh, here you go. You just fucked up again. And what the fuck are you doing with your life? And all of the, like, I hadn't quite had enough to quiet my mind. Um, and I had started going to some AA meetings because I knew it would look good for the courts. I knew it would get my mother off my back. Um, and that was solely it. And, um, and my mother happened to stop by one day uh, and she just happened to be on her way to a meeting. And did I just want to, you know, go with her? And um, I thought, oh, well, fuck, sure, why not? And I remember walking up to that meeting, the Troy Noon Timers in, in Michigan. And I remember thinking to myself, I, I couldn't figure out how I was so tired. I was 22 and I was just so tired. And we got into the meeting and we're sitting there and, and I remember some guy talking about gin and I think there was the next priest at that table and I'm sitting next to my mother and you know, people are going around and all I'm thinking is I just want the earth to open up and swallow me whole. Mm -hmm. And it got to me and I just started bawling, just crying. And the look on my mother's face was just like aghast. And I just, you know, the words I may mean I'm an alcoholic just came out of my mouth. I had not been intending or wanting or wishing or anything to say those words, but they did. And, um, and I'm forever grateful for that. Um, like I said, I, you know, I, I, 
as far as the actual drinking and, and all of that stuff, you know, I just drank a fuck lot and I didn't care. And I ended up in places that no person should ever end up. And, um, and it worked until it didn't. And, uh, and at that point it was too late. And, um, and then there was getting sober (laughs) and, uh, that was, man, um, you know, I, I was 22. I was pissed off. I was angry. I was all of those things, except now I wasn't supposed to drink. And, you know, that did not lead for, you know, a very happy Amy. Um, I just, you know, what the hell? I, you know, and, um, you know, very, very slowly for me, you know, I got a, I got a sponsor and God love her. Um, you know, uh, the, the greatest thing that I got from her is she had me call her every day for my first year of sobriety. And, you know, what that did for me was it made it okay to pick up the phone. You know, I went through the steps as best I could at that time. Um, You know, there were things that were not on my first, fourth step because I was not, you know, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, whatever, ready to deal with them. Um, I, you know, made some cursory amends. Um, And I don't, I, you know, I, they were heartfelt. Um, You know, I remember driving to make amends to my father and, uh, and the whole way there just thinking, you know, your words, not mine, your words, not mine. And by your, I, you know, God's word. Um, But it was, it was somewhat surface. And I got to about two and a half years sober and there were things that I needed to deal with from my past that I knew that if I didn't, I would drink. And, um, and around this time, I, I uh, went out to visit my uncles in Northern California and they had this little cabin uh, next to their house in the redwoods on the side of a mountain and said, oh, by the way, you know, if you ever wanted to move out here, we tell all the nieces and nephews, you're welcome to come. Three months later, uh, I was there. And, you know, I remember going to meetings and talking, I'm sure, ad nauseum about, oh, is this the right decision? Is it the wrong decision? And that third step and that 11th step and blah, blah, blah. And finally, thank God, this woman cross-talked and said, look, it's not you know, always about the right or the wrong decision. It's about making a decision and following through with it and then learning about it. And, um, and the longer I have stayed sober, that I have absolutely know to be true. Um, it's about making the decision and following through. Um, you know, I had in regards to God and spirituality, those first you know, two, three years, I had sort of started to trust the people in the program just a little bit. And so I could sort of trust this idea of a power greater than myself just a little bit. And that allowed me to trust in myself 
just a little bit. Um, and that's how it was. But I, you know, I moved to California and, um, and I got to work. Uh, I got a therapist and I went there twice a week for probably about a year. And, um, and, you know, the Tuesdays kind of summed up uh, my life at that time. I would go to work and then I would go to therapy and then I would go to my friend Angela's who uh, was in the program and she would open the door and she would look at me and she would say, you know, was it good therapy or was it really good therapy? And if it was really good therapy, that mean we would go into her rooms and turn the lights off and smoke cigarettes and drink really strong coffee and, and just kind of zone out. And then we would go to our home group that night. And, you know, the therapy was, you know, to deal with the stuff that was outside the realms of AA. And, you know, and then I would go to Angela's and then we would go to a meeting and, um, and that, that was the crux of that time. Um, and around this time, I also met my uh, sponsor out in California. And that sort of started me on my spiritual path, um, my sort of true one. And I remember um, it was about five years sober. And, um, and it I, it was one of those times that was just uh, really hard. Um, my uncle was killed in a car accident. Um, I had a sister who was mentally disabled and epileptic, and she was a couple of years older than me. And, um, and she passed. And my dad's wife had cancer and my uncle had cancer and all of this was going on. And there are a few things that I remember about that time. Um, one, it was the first time I called my father when, when uh, I, you know, found out that his wife had cancer and I asked him if there was anything that I could do for him with no ulterior motive with no want of, of money or help or anything like that. Um, Cause I came into this program kind of hating him, like just, you know, fuck you. Mm. And, um, and it was the first time I had picked up that phone and, and, and done that. And uh, you know, the night that I got the call that my sister died you know, my sponsor was at my house in about 15 minutes. And uh, a couple of hours later, I was at her house and, and my best friend was there. And an ex of mine was there. And we sat around and we prayed, you know, in between me getting airline tickets and, and flights out, we prayed. And, um, and I remember it was a few months after that and I was just I, I was still having such a hard time and I remember going to my sponsors and being like you know it's not getting any better I'm going to work and I cry and I you know have lunch and I cry and I do this and I cry you know and it was like okay go to meeting every day you know go for a walk every day call another person every day ask them how they are don't talk about yourself you know be of service every day 
And I would do that. And it's still, I, you know, I went back to her and it's like, it's not getting better. It's not getting, you know, it's just, I'm, I can't. And I was questioning my belief in God and all of these things. And, and I remember sitting there crying and her, she looked at me and she's like, is it getting any worse? And I was like, you know, and she's like, have you drank? And I was like, well, no. Have you thought about drinking? No. Well, then it's working. Fuck. Okay. Um, okay. And, uh, you know, and shortly after that, you know, we, I started taking a look at this whole spiritual aspect. And I remember her talking to me and saying, you know, go back to the church of your upbringing and then, you know, go to a synagogue, go to a mosque, go to the, you know, oceans, go to the road. We got everything here. Try it out. See what works. See what works. And, um, I think the the best description of, of, of the God of my understanding was one that came from my mother. Um, and it was, you know, she would talk about her belief in a God and, and it being, you know, the perfect parent, you know, they, they can't protect us from everything. That's not their job, um, but they can simply be there and they can support and they can love. And every now and again, you know, maybe give a little surprise, um, you know, but they can't stop the bad stuff from happening. It's not their job. And, um, and for me, that kind of breaks down my belief in, you know, a power greater than myself. Um, you know, I, I'm not one, there's, you know, a line, uh, somewhere in the big, you know, everything happens for a reason. I don't subscribe to that, but I do believe that in everything that happens, I can find reason. I can find a purpose. Um, you know, at about 10 years sober, uh, life decided to throw me some big curveballs again and, you know, job gone, boyfriend gone, this gone, da, 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 da. And I remember sitting with my sponsor and it was like, you know, what the hell's going on here? And I very sincerely with, you know, there have just been in the almost 30 years I've been sober, just a few times where I have absolutely unconditionally completely surrendered. And that was one of them. And it was like, okay, where are we going? And by we, it was me, this program, my God, my creator, and, and the people that I had with me. And um, I was not prepared for the answer because it was to go back to Michigan. Hmm. And I was not happy with that. Um, my you know, father had reached out and, and our relationship was okay-ish. And he said, you know, I know you've been going back to school and all of this stuff. And, you know, if you wanted, we've got, you know, they had kind of a house on their property and said, you know, you could live here and go back to school and, and get that done. And my first response was, 
no, fuck no. I'm not moving back to Michigan. How? And I call my sponsor and I'm like, so, you know, this just happened and I don't want to go back to Michigan. And God love her. She said, well, have you prayed about it? No. Have you written about it? No. Have you talked to any of your friends in the program about it? No. Okay. When you have done all of those things, call me back and we'll talk about it. Um, Michigan is where I ended up. And, uh, I, you know, it's, uh, I think back to that gentleman who taught, you know, the program of Alcoholics Anonymous has allowed me to participate in my own life. You know, that was one of those big participations. Um, yep. And sort of started me, you know, on this other journey of, uh, with my family. You know, it's one thing to work on relationships when you live 3,000 miles away from people. It's a whole nother thing when, you know, you're right next door to them. Um, And I had been home about a week and I got a phone call from my older sister and we had not been close in many years. And she said, how did you know you were an alcoholic? I just got out of my third AA meeting. And so I talked to her for a while and I, I, you know, made a plan to meet her in a meeting and I got off the phone and I, you know, uh, picked up the phone again and called some friends back in California was like, okay, I think this is what I said, but I'm not sure. And, um, you know, she has now been sober almost 20 years. She'll have 20 in January. You know, so my mom, me, my sister, my nephew has eight years, I think, you know, so, you know, for as fucked up and devastating and horrific as this disease is, you know, the flip side of that is it fucking works, this program. And uh, there, I'm, I'm not a huge big book or 12 and 12 uh, quoter, but there is um, in the sixth step in the 12 and 12, um, it talks about, you know, nature, God and abhorring suicide. And when we pour copious amounts of alcohol into us, we are committing a most unnatural act. And I know that I had read that, I don't know how many times, but I was in my apartment in Oakland with a sponsee and we were going through that book and, and, and read that and something about that at that time just absolutely struck me. Me and this program and, and the God of my understanding and the people in this program and all of that against my disease no question. You know, there's no question. I have, there is the only reason for me not to stay sober is me. That's it. Because I and this program and my God and the people in it can kick this fucking disease's ass any day of the week and six ways to Sunday. And there was something about that of 
you know, my nature is not to kill myself. My nature is to live and to thrive and to survive and, and to love. Um, and, you know, so it's, uh, I got back to mission, you know, and I, and I did more work and, and, you know, the way this program work and the promises, you know, it, it's, it's never how I think it should be. And that's probably a very good thing. It is probably a very good thing. Um, you know, I was able to mend relationships that I never would have thought would mend. And I was able to ask forgiveness for things done, you know, years before. I mean, I remember I, I, I don't know how long I'd been sober, 15, 20, something like that years, yeah, 15, maybe. And, um, and there was a women's retreat coming up and I, I really did not like women's meetings and women's retreats. And the thought it was like, really? No, thank you. And my sister and her girlfriend were going and they're like, oh, come on. And mom is going. And I was like, oh my God, it's going to be a freaking fan, you know, whatever. And I just sort of happened to say yes. And as I was doing that, it hit me that there was an amends that I owed my mother that I had not deliberately given her, but just completely forgotten about. Um, when I was drinking, I, I lived with her for a period of time before she politely kicked me out of her home. And, um, but there was a period before that where she was like, you know, you've got it. Something's got to happen. Something's got to give. I, you know, I'm not saying what's going on with you, but like you need to something. And, and I was like, okay, I'll go see a therapist. You know, great. And I remember going to this therapist and, you know, going back to that thing of, she asked me what was going on wrong, what was going on in my head. I'm thinking, how do you look somebody in the eye and say, well, the problem is just that I'm wrong. Like on some basic level, I'm wrong. And I didn't know how to say that. And so I just bold-faced lie. I was like, oh, I had an abortion. You know, because I mean, that would explain everything. That would clear things up and great, blah, 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 blah. You know, get everybody off my back, da, 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 da. And I told my mother, you know, the whole bit, no, okay, everything, you know, and like I said, that didn't last too long. And she, you know, kicked me out of her house uh, not long after, as she should have. Um, but I, I, I realized I had never told her that I had lied about that. And I couldn't imagine like what, as a mother, you know, the pain that she would have felt for me. And here I found myself going to this freaking women's retreat with her and my sister. And it was like, oh, okay. I guess this is where I get to make those amends to her. Sometimes quickly, sometimes slowly. Um, you know, these last couple of years, uh, I moved to South Carolina 
nine years ago. Um, I, I met and married my husband 10 years. We got, we've been married 10 years, I think. Um, and I came down here and I went to some cursory meetings and did all of that stuff. And I was just getting along. Um, and it was okay, but I had, I certainly was not immersed in this program. And then COVID hit and, um, and I had a meeting that I was a member at here in South Carolina that did not believe in safe distancing or any of that kind of stuff. And so hence my home group, the Grateful Gals on Zoom was born. And there was another noon meeting that I started going to every day. And suddenly I found myself re-immersed in this program. And thank fucking God. Uh, you know, 13 months ago, my mother was diagnosed with stage one lung cancer. You know, she hadn't smoked in 50 years, but it was stage one, it was a little radiation. And then it was a little bigger. So it was a little radiation, a little chemo. And so, you know, I flew up every month and helped out and my sister in Michigan, who is sober, uh, who lived close to her would help the rest of the time. And, and the two of us pretty much, you know, did that and things were looking okay. And she finished her last treatment at the end of December and she died uh, in February. And, you know, we got through that. And then uh, in June, my father passed. And 20 minutes before we were on it, our way to his service, my husband got a phone call from this company in Virginia offering him a job. And that was five weeks ago. And in that time, uh, our house is sold. He had bought a house and the movers are coming on Monday. And this is the last night in my house of nine years. The only way I have gotten through any of this is this program you know, is my creator, is people like David Wicken, who, you know, will text me at three o'clock in the morning and say, hey, you want to speak in, you know, a few months on August 6th? Sure. What the fuck would I be doing on August 6th? Oh, you know, moving and all of this. Um, it has been heartbreaking and, and, and beautiful and glorious and just gut-wrenching. But I am participating in my own life. Um, you know, and the way that this program works, you know, um, I was with my mother when she was in the hospital and, and very, clearly and concisely looked at me and said, I'm good. I'm done. I want to be done. And having that conversation that she was ready to die. And, uh, and uh, you know, my sister and I and our other sister were with her. 
you know, our brother was there. I, you know, I got to, I flew up and landed in Michigan at 1.30 on a Friday and my father passed at 6.30 that evening. Um, when I stop and I listen and I pay attention, the universe tells me where to go. And, um, and I hope that this was some semblance of something this evening. Uh, I, you know, I, uh, I have not been sleeping a whole lot. Um, and, but I know that all I have to do is come on to a meeting. Um, and I will end with this, that the relationships in this program are amazing. Uh, after my sister passed and I was going through that rather horrible time, um, there was an evening that I was down in San Francisco working and I was just a fucking, I was a wreck. And someone, Mr. David W over there called me and said, what are you doing? And I said, I'm driving back home and then I'll be back. No, 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 no. We're going to dinner and then we're going to a movie. No, no, I have to work tomorrow. Fuck that. Next thing I know, we're watching the midnight showing of some Godzilla movie. And it was exactly what was needed. You know, because it goes back to that, a thankful heart. You know, um, one's heartbeat must surely result in outgoing love, the finest emotion that we can ever know. And sometimes that outgoing of love is a Godzilla movie. And sometimes it is being able to sit next to your dying parent with your siblings. And, you know, in all of this last 13 months in thought of a drink never fucking occurred. And, uh, you know, if that's not a spiritual awakening, I have no idea what is. And with that, thank you so very much.